You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Took the cross. I mean, it, think about that. And uh, all that, I mean, God, could, God speaks the world into existence. He has that kind of power, but when it came to redeeming mankind, uh, he sent his own son. He, has, he invested his own blood in that process. And uh, years ago, I, I wrote a song uh, called, When Words Were Not Enough. And the idea is that, um, you know, with, when it comes to the universe, yeah, God just spoke that into existence. But when it came to forming a mankind, like a potter, I mean, he got it personally in there, invested. And when it came to uh, sinners, saving sinners, words weren't enough. I mean, the power that he uses to create the universe was not enough. He actually, he got invested. He sent his own son, flesh and blood, and sent his son to die on a cross for us. I mean, be thankful uh, that he would go to such lengths. When words were not enough, God sent a savior. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Nehemiah 4 is where we are, and as we come into this, Sanballat and Tobiah are at it again. And they're causing trouble for Nehemiah and this band of builders. They, they are thorns in the side of the work of God. That's the way that I would describe Sanballat and Tobiah. They're scorning and they're mocking Nehemiah. They're rallying the enemies. They're making threats that are no longer empty. And if you'll notice, if you go back and see the progression there in, in chapter 2, uh, they were just grieved that someone would come and, and seek the welfare of the children of Israel. They were just upset that it was happening. Then at the end of, verse, of chapter 2, whenever um, the, Nehemiah got the builders together, it says that they were laughing in their faces. They were laughing where they could be heard and scorning them. And then in verse 1 of this chapter, when it, it comes to pass that they're building the wall, they get the group together, the enemies of the Jews together, and they're making fun of them, and they're rallying each other. There's an army now that are coming out, and, and we know that these are not just empty threats. Uh, it says in the end of verse 8 that they are going to hinder the work of God. It says in verse 10, that, um, or in verse 9, that they were going to come. Let's see, where is it? Verse 11, it says that they were, they were going to come in the midst and slay them. This is not just talk anymore. This is not just the bully at school saying, someday I'm going to get you. The bully has now said three o'clock in the playground. You know, it's specific now. Sanballat and Tobiah are coming out against Nehemiah and his people and the builders, and they have intention not just to beat them up, they are going to slay them. They want to kill them. And it's getting serious, and it shouldn't be a surprise because, as Jesus said, the world hateth, if the world hate you, it's because they hated me first. If they persecute you, uh, don't worry or think about that. They persecuted me. It's not like um, you're doing something or going through something I haven't been. First Timothy says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, here it is. Here's the persecution. The enemy is coming. Trouble is on the horizon. And last week we looked through this passage and we talked about when trouble comes, the things that we need to be. We need to be prayerful, and we need to be determined, and we need to be wise, 
and we need to be clean and clean up the rubble and we need to be realistic and above all we need to be reminded that there's a there's an important work to fight for our families are at stake there's a lot of things that we need to be when the trouble comes but tonight i want to focus uh, again on our response to the trouble but maybe with a, a more personal application this evening you see even if when we continue to do what we're supposed to do and I want you to think about this even in your own life. When trouble comes, even when you do what you're supposed to do and you just carry on and you have a mind to work and you pray and trust God and you're determined and maybe you shore up the areas of weakness and, and you make sure your lives are clean and you make sure that everything is cleaned up and there's a place to move forward on and you admit your weaknesses and you take care of those things and you're motivated by what matters. Even when those things are there, even when we do all that we know we're supposed to do on the outside, that doesn't always prevent trouble from getting in on the inside. You understand that? Even when the things are difficult and the, the trial is big, even when it's daunting and you just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to keep going on. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to keep serving, keep doing what I know to do. It doesn't always prevent the trouble from finding its way on the inside. And that happens, doesn't it? Where you're, you're, there's trouble, there's, there's a, a trial, there, there's persecution in this case. And after enough hits, after enough trouble... After enough circumstances, sometimes the, the trouble gets inside. It becomes less out there, and it finds its way in here. I'm talking about discouragement. Discouragement when the trouble is overwhelming. And the truth is, we're proud people. Uh, we, we don't like to admit when there's discouragement. And, well, some people do. You know, there's some people, you know, don't ask them how their day's going, because they're probably going to be honest. <laughs> But most of us, when somebody asks us how our day is going, even if it's not going fine, what do we say? Fine. When we're feeling honest, we might open up a little bit, but, but we don't like to admit when there's discouragement uh, because we like to wear masks sometimes, don't we? I was talking to somebody just this week about the fear that exists in opening up to people. And, and making yourself vulnerable, it's hard to be vulnerable because we want other to people to believe that we don't have any warts. And we want them to think that we've got it all together, that we never struggle, and, but we can wear masks of perfection in order to conceal what's really going on on the inside. When trouble is persistent and lasts long enough, it's hard not to let it become internal. Unless you're just a, a super Christian, unless you're one of those that just never get bothered by anything, then most of us, most of us normal Christians, when things are hard enough for long enough, it tends to creep inside. It tends to bother us. Discouragement sets in. And it doesn't even always require real trouble. This is how prone we are to discouragement. It doesn't always require real trouble to, to discourage us, doesn't it? Or does it? I mean, you think about it. Sometimes the weather discourages us. Now, I know people that after a couple months in the wintertime, um, they, they need to get out and get some sun. I mean, it literally affects them. You know, some people get discouraged when their team loses. I mean, it's a big deal to some people. Uh, others get discouraged when Walmart doesn't stock the new uh, 
Oreos that we talked about this morning. That is discouraging, okay? Let's just be honest. But my point is discouragement can't always be blamed on something big. It doesn't always have to be something big, which means we need to be careful because it doesn't have to be big for it to get us down. When there is true trouble then, it's easy for us, even when we're doing everything right and we're praying and we're determined and we're wise and we're clean and we're, we're doing what we should, it's easy to become discouraged. The modern terminology in situations like this would be depression. And, and I don't want to deal with that issue now. Some are much more qualified to talk about that than me. It deserves more understanding and time on my part but the Bible word that parallels those kind of symptoms is the word discouraged. And it's used multiple times in the Old Testament. It's used in the book of Colossians in the New Testament when it talks about fathers not, are commanded not to provoke their children to anger lest they be discouraged. The Old Testament word means to dissolve. It means to melt. That's the word for discourage. It also means to faint. And, and I don't think it's a stretch uh, here then to assume that Nehemiah and the people would be prone to discouragement based on these factors that they're facing. They've got big trouble. They've got big problems. Their lives are at stake. The work is also big and it's huge and it's overwhelming at this time. And based on their answer to Nehemiah, they don't have any strength left. Their strength is gone. They're hearing then these reports from the other Jews coming in and saying, the sky is falling. Everywhere you run, the enemy is going to be there. And then Nehemiah, here's how the clincher to know that this is a problem at this time, is that Nehemiah has to stand up in front of all of them. And look what he says in verse 14 in the middle. He starts his speech with this, be ye not afraid. So would you say that based on the circumstances, and would you say based on Nehemiah's speech here, be ye not afraid, that there's some fear going on? There's fear in the camp. And y'all want you to think about the word. Discourage. Dis means apart. It means there is none. Courage. So it literally means no courage. And it may not be, um, it may not be used by Nehemiah saying don't be discouraged. But if they're afraid, they're discouraged. Don't be afraid, he says. Don't be without courage. And he sees the outward trouble, and he sees it starting to have inward effects. And folks, outward trouble, overwhelming tasks, exhaustion, critical people, those start to affect our spirit. You know, you can't be around that stuff for very long and it not start to affect your own spirit. Trouble's always looking for a way to get in the door. And so I want to see the ways that trouble turned into discouragement for these people building the walls. And so I'm calling it tonight the winds of discouragement. And the first thing that I, the first uh, situation or characteristic or the first, um, the first element here that I see is, is that we tend to be discouraged when we're weary. The first win of, discourage, of discouragement is when we're weary. Look again at verse 10. It says, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. No, we're prone to become discouraged when we're tired. When our strength is gone. Have you ever noticed how, about how many things can go wrong when you're tired? 
Have you ever noticed how many weaknesses you have when you're tired? Have you ever noticed how you let your guard down in certain areas? When I'm tired, I, I'm telling you, when I'm tired, I tend to have less control of my emotions. When I'm sleepy, my filter is turned off. We're, we're less patient. We're more angry. We're less kind. We're more sharp-tongued. When we're tired, when our strength is gone, we're more prone to let our guard down. When we're weary, we're more inclined to make bad decisions or even compromise in some area that we typically would not. I don't think it's, it's an accident. I don't think it, it's not, or that it's uh, just circumstantial um, that, that when then people make a mistake, uh, and I'm thinking about especially dealing with, with men who have an issue with something like pornography, uh, it, it's no wonder that at night, when they're tired and sleepy, and their guard is down, that they tend to fall into those kinds of sins. And the truth is, it's the same for us. When we don't have the strength to, to even hardly do anything, we're not going to have the strength to resist temptation either. When we're tired, we're prone to making bad decisions and, and, and making bad calls, and we're more likely even to lose hope when we're fatigued. When you're tired, your thoughts are not as clear. Things are fuzzy. I don't know if it's true for you, but it's definitely true for me. You know, it's amazing how sometimes when we, we've driven, we drive a lot. We're road warriors, I like to call us. And um, we, we drive to California uh, to visit Aaron's folks every other year or so. And when we go, we normally drive all night. We just get in the, on the road. And it would usually be on a Sunday night after church. We would just get on the road after a long day. We get on the road and we would just drive till we hit the ocean. Sometimes just kept going even then. So you just drive and drive and drive. And, and I'm telling you, it's amazing the tricks my mind can play on me sometimes when I'm driving at night. It's like, you know, those big, the big orange, uh, the big orange barrels. I mean, sometimes it's like I see arms and stuff coming out, like eyeballs. And like they're talking to me as I'm driving down the road. I'm like, you know what, it's time to probably take a nap here. But when I'm tired, I'm, not, I'm fuzzy. When I'm tired, I'm not thinking clearly. And things, things seem busy or bigger when I'm sleepy. And they're saying what they tell Nehemiah is the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. In other words, the men that are supposed to be bearing the burden, their strength, that strength just means power. But decay means that it's to stumble or stagger or totter is the word. And it's an obvious visual, but they're saying the men of Judah, they're saying the people have worked so hard, they can hardly stand up, Nehemiah. They're staggering. They've been working a long time, and they're fatigued. They're tired. At this point, we're told they were halfway through the project, and, and it seems about the time when things get hard. You ever notice that? When, when you first start a project, it's pretty easy to be excited about it, you know, to get going, and yeah, we can do this, and... You know, just thinking about certain projects that some men in here have and thinking about the church in Flandreau and uh, thinking about, you know, when they started, how, you know, they thought, yeah, we're excited. This is, you know, this is going to be great. Well, after about, you know, a, a few months or a couple years, you're starting to think, okay, it's less exciting now. Think about, you know, Brother, Brother Heath has been telling me about how they're finishing their basement. And I bet the first day was a lot more exciting than about halfway through when you're like, when is this going to end? You ever have a project like that? About halfway through, 
See, what happens is you lose the momentum of the moment at the beginning. You lose the enthusiasm. You, you tend to kind of get, be less excited. And the first part has the momentum. And, and you're just thinking about the possibilities. But when you can't see the finish line and you're already at the end of yourself. I mean, when your strength is decayed and you know you've got halfway more to go and you're thinking, I, don't, I can't do what I just did. I mean, halfway, uh, you know, thinking about when we, we ran a half marathon, and, and I, was, I distinctly remember the halfway point of that. And I'm thinking, I have to do all of that one more time? And I, and I literally felt like I couldn't lift my legs another step. And sometimes life gets that way, and, and things are, are, are overwhelming, and you don't even have the strength, you think, to stand. That's what they're saying. We're, they're tottering. They're staggering. They're, stumble, they, they're stumbling. They can't even... Keep going, Nehemiah. See, many in this room have been saved and serving long enough that the momentum of it all being new is long past. And I'm not saying that you're not excited about being saved anymore. I'm not saying that you're not thankful for being saved. But I think there is something to it that, that David had to write, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You see, when that happens, you have to find your strength from a different source than yourself. When the excitement goes, you have to be driven by real internal motivation. In other words, you have to love God enough, like he says in Matthew 22. And you have to love people enough. And you have to walk with God enough, like he says in 2 Corinthians 4. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. See, when you're tempted to, be, to quit because you're discouraged, then you have to go to something outside of yourself to give you the strength to carry on. So rather than trust your limited strength to keep moving forward, remember that you serve a God who is all-powerful. So why would we continue to try to do things on our own when we can only take ourselves so far and yet we have a God who spoke the worlds into existence? And according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, though our outward men perish, Yet, yet our inward man can be renewed day by day. See, the discouragement tends to come when we're tired. When the strength is gone. And in those moments, you have to find your strength from a source outside yourself or you're going to quit halfway through. There's another win of discouragement in verse 10. It's when we're distracted. It says, And Judas said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish. And we talked about the rubbish last week and we applied that to the rubble or I mean, it's the rubble debris on the ground and they couldn't properly build until they cleared all of that. But, but that seemed like a daunting task. Last week we applied that to our spiritual lives saying that you can't move forward for God. You, the work can't keep going unless you clear out the things that are in your way first. Spiritually speaking, uh, you've got to clear out the rubbish in your life before God can, do a, can continue to do a work in your life. You've got to confess those sins. You've got to keep a short account with God because you can't build when there's rubbish. But what I want you to do tonight in thinking about this is step back and consider what's really happening. See, here's the thing. They're saying, Nehemiah, listen, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And not only that, there's much rubbish so can you imagine or picture this? When they tell Nehemiah that, they say, Nehemiah, 
the strength of, of the bearers of burdens. I'm sorry, I dropped my shoulders because that's what my kids do when I tell them to do something they don't want to do. They do, you know, they have energy to run uh, like, like uh, on the ceiling. They're running around. And yet when I say clean their room, it's like, <sighs> well, that's what I imagine what's happening here. They come to me and they're like, Nehemiah, the strength of the bearers of burdens, it's decayed. And they look down and like, and there is much rubbish. <laughs> Can you imagine it? There's, I mean, I like the, the, the weak arms thing. There is much rubbish everywhere, Nehemiah. You see this? This kind of feels good. It's a little freeing here. Relaxed. But they're lo- where are they looking when they're talking about the rubbish? They're looking down on the ground. You see, if you're looking at the rubbish, you can't look at the walls. And that's a big problem when it comes to discouragement. Part of the reason we get discouraged is because we get distracted. And we lose sight of what really matters. In that moment, the walls were what mattered. The rubbish was just a small thing in the way. Yes, it had to be cleared out, but they were just staring at it. They're thinking, we can't even build. Look at all the rubbish. I mean, everywhere you look, look down. And what I I wish Nehemiah would have said is, no, 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 stop looking down, look up. We're halfway through the project. Half the wall is built. Don't get distracted by what's down there when you need to keep your eyes on the prize, keep your eyes on the big picture. And in that one slice of time, they're they're, they're not seeing the forest for the trees. They've lost sight of what's really mattered in the moment because they're focusing on the mess. And we tend to focus on the trouble of the moment and not see the big picture too. See, in one moment, if you just take a moment of time, then all you'll see is that the money's really tight. But you'll forget about the fact that for years in your life, as you've given and you don't even know how ends meet, God's taking care of you because he's faithful. But in that moment, all you see, in that slice of time, all you can focus on is that it's tight. And you need to step back and not stare at the moment and not look down at the rubbish and look at the wall and think, this is what God, though, has done. And if he's done that for me in my life to this point, he can keep on doing it. So I'm going to stop looking at the mess and I'm going to look at God. Parents, in that one moment... I mean, if you made your decisions based on one moment of how your children are obeying and listening to you, it can be pretty discouraging. But you have to step back and realize, no, this is a life that God is molding. And I have access to their hearts for a certain number amount of time, but I also have God on my side and he's working with me as I train and build this young little disciple, this bearer of God's image. And, and yes, in the moment... They are possessed of something otherworldly. But let me take a step back and realize that God has blessed me. And he has placed this child, this person, in my care to help to mold, to become like his son, Jesus Christ. And I can't make a big decision and I can't get discouraged in the moment just because they are being like they are in the moment because there's a bigger picture at stake. You know, when you feel like, man, I'm overwhelmed by everything I have to do and I've got church and I've got work and I've got the house and I've got these projects. No, discouragement comes when you focus on a slice of time and you forget the big picture. Don't make a decision in a moment of extremes. 
See, if you're extremely tired, wait to decide. Some of the bad decisions I've made is when I was tired or when I was desperate or when things weren't very good and I make a financial decision that I regret later. If you're extremely emotional, don't say or do anything. Husbands, we should all heed that advice. If you're extremely overwhelmed, don't lose hope. It will pass. But we get so focused on the piece of the puzzle that we take our eyes off the picture on the puzzle box. Our focus has much to do with our level of discouragement. And if you are focused on the trouble of the moment and you've lost sight of the big picture, you will likely get discouraged. But I want to remind you that we serve uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who in Hebrews 12 says, let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father, of the throne of God, I should say, for consider him, it says, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. See, what that writer was saying was that rather than look at all the mess around you, you just need to look to Jesus. And if you'll look to Jesus, you'll realize that he was doing the same thing on the cross. He wasn't looking at the mess. He was looking for the joy that was set before him. That's what helped him endure the cross. If he had stopped and looked around at the people that were mocking him, and he had stopped and looked at his father as he turned his back on him, he might have gotten discouraged. Because in that moment, that was the darkest moment of any person in history. And yet he looked past all of that for the joy that was set before him when he could one day be back at the right hand of his father. That's what helped him endure the cross. And if we're going to get through the mess and not be focused on all the stuff around us and, and look where we're supposed to, look to Jesus and find your example. Consider him. He endured that contradiction of sinners against himself. And, and that writer said, if you don't, you're going to be fear, weary and faint. It's going to be overwhelming. So I'm telling you, if you want to stay uh, encouraged, then during when we're distracted, we'll likely get discouraged. But if you want to stay encouraged, keep your eyes off the mess and keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow his example of how he endured a tough time. The best way to keep your eyes off the rubble of life is to keep them on Jesus Christ. One more a win of discouragement from verse 10 is this. When we're unable. When we're unable. So when we're weary, when we're distracted, and when we're unable, it says so that we are not, they're, they're talking about the bears of burdens, the strength is gone, there's much rubbish, and it says we are not able to build the wall. I mean, this is the first time in all of this that the Jews have come to Nehemiah at least that was recorded, and said, listen, Nehemiah, this job is too big for us. This is too much for us. Uh, the Jews knew it was beyond them. They're tired, there's rubble, uh, there's enemies at the gate. It's only a few verses before, though, that we're told they had a mind to work. So do you see that something has changed? See, that, that phrase in verse 6 can also mean they had a heart to work. So it seems to me they've lost heart. They've gotten discouraged. And life can feel overwhelming, and our problems can certainly seem bigger than our abilities. And they are bigger than our abilities. Have you ever been presented with an obstacle that you just knew was beyond your resources? That you, you had an obstacle come your way that you knew that you could not handle it on your own? 
I'm t- I have those all the time. I mean, I, I have them, uh, you know, if your car breaks down. I was talking to Brother Colin um, this week, and he was telling me how his transmission went out just this week. And, it, you know, when you, and we were just last week, he was telling me, and I'm just going to try to get that car to get me through May. A couple days later, transmission. I mean, there's a sense of humor out there somewhere. But, you know, there's sometimes you, it's overwhelming, and there's a, a problem that's too big for you to fix it. If your car breaks down and you don't have money to fix it and you don't have money to get a new one and you need more money, but you need a car to get to work, but you have to get to work to get more money, I mean, it's a vicious cycle. Some project at work that's outside your comfort zone. I mean, in God's work, is some ministry you're not ready for. And you think, I, I'm not ready to teach or I'm not ready to lead others or tell a soul about Christ. I'm not ready for Ladies retreat, I mean, it just made all the ladies in here, made their stomach hurt, sorry about that. As a parent, have you ever felt unable? I mean, besides every single moment of every day? Yeah. But here's here's the thing, any task we do is outside our abilities. And if we ever get to the place that we assume that we can do what he asks without his help, we are in trouble. And Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. Galatians 6, 3 says, For a man, if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. The most important daily choice you can make as you follow God is the decision to be dependent on him for his daily strength. The truth is, you are unable. And if, we, if, if that's all we see, we will get discouraged. But we have to look past that and realize that we have a God who is able He is as able as we are unable. We can do nothing without him, but there's nothing he can't do. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. It says, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And the truth is, and I don't want this to be discouraging, uh, it's meant to be encouraging, you are unable. You're always unable. You can't raise your kids. You can't make them be godly. You can't be a witness at work. You can't overcome your addiction. You can't serve God effectively in your own strength. But God can. Trust Him. Depend on Him. If you don't, all you'll ever see is your inability and you will get discouraged. The last win of discouragement is in verses 11 and 12. And that's when we're insecure. It says in verse 11, And our adversaries said they shall not know, neither see till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it come to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places where ye, whence, ye, whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. So there's two factors here. I want you to think about this, and we're about to wrap this up. The enemy wants them dead, and they know it. And two, though, they're listening to the negative Nancys. See, as we saw last time, the Jews uh, that knew what the enemy was planning, they came over and they're like, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Nehemiah says there in verse 12, you know what he's basically saying? He's saying if they came once, they came ten times. 
And every time they come, they're saying they're in danger. Wherever you go, the enemy's there. The trouble was big. It was. But I believe the bigger factor here is that there's negative information and it's constantly coming in. See, if you have a tendency to be discouraged, you may have to distance yourself from the negative people in your life. And I'm not saying you wash your hands of anybody, but if you have a tough time not being discouraged about a slice of time or not being discouraged about some situation that your life is in, and you've got somebody in your ear, and they're constantly giving you like the negative part of that or the negative perspective, you may have to distance yourself from the voices in your life that are causing you to be discouraged uh, by their negativity. It's time to create space between you and the negatives. I mean, you cannot be exposed to constant negative, negativity and not be affected. I, I've been reading, and as you have, and I was talking to Brother Robinson this morning, he's got all, all kinds of, uh, of conspiracy theories about the coronavirus. You might ask him, I mean, it's pretty scary stuff, what's going on. But you know, there's people on a cruise ship, I was reading about this couple, they're on a cruise ship off the coast of Japan, and they're quarantined in their room, in their cabin. They can't come out of their room for 14 days. And I'm thinking, I mean, what if they have kids? What if they have a job or had a job, I guess now? I mean, there's a lot of trouble that's going to come to them. And they're just stuck inside. And it's not like they're enjoying the sun. It's not like they're up on the top deck, you know, playing volleyball or whatever happens on a cruise. Uh, they're stuck in their cabin. And, and, and they're not getting much information. And, you know, the reason that they're doing that is because this is a dangerous virus. And that cruise ship wants to make sure that if the people have been infected, we're going to take whatever measures we can to separate everybody else from the infection that's going on here in case this spreads around the world. And, you know, we don't necessarily, we hate that for the people on the ship or we hate that for the people being quarantined, but we, in some ways, we appreciate it because we don't want that to spread. But see, here's the thing. You have to have the same attitude toward the people in your life that have a critical spirit. The people in your life, you're going to have to at some point, if they're affecting your encouragement, you're going to have to at some point quarantine yourself. And you're going to have to say, no, listen, this is, if this spreads, it will destroy my spiritual life. And I'm not saying be mean about it. I'm saying you've got to take some steps to protect yourself if you're prone to discouragement. And you've got people in your ears. Nehemiah says if they came once, they came ten times. It may be time for you to be diligent about protecting yourself. And it may not even be a person. It may be social media. It may be some form of media that's influencing your mind and not helping you spiritually. Ephesians 4 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And if it's not supposed to come out of your mouth, it's also, it probably also ought not be coming into your ears. If there's a critical spirit that you need to separate yourself from, you're just going to have to pull the plug. And say, listen, I've got to separate. I've got to take some steps because I'm discouraged. That constant threat. It made the people insecure here. I mean, think about that. They were in danger every moment of the day. They're working on the wall and they're looking over their shoulders. They're in con under constant threat. And I think we undervalue sometimes the importance of security. 
See, when you're not secure, it's easy to be discouraged. When things are up in the air and things are unsettled, it's hard to concentrate on anything else if you think that you're in danger. But we have to be careful that we don't depend on other sources for our security. Nothing will give us the sense of security, settled security, that we can find in Jesus Christ. See, some guys, some families, they, they depend on their job to be secure. But listen, if that's the case, all it takes is for you to lose your job and you're no longer there. You don't, you're no longer settled. If you depend on a person in your life to be secure, what happens when they're no longer in your life? If you find your security in a person or a place or a thing or a role that you play, all it takes is for you to lose that person or place or thing or role, and suddenly your identity is gone. See, our identity and our rest can only come through the Lord. He's the only source of security that is not temporary. You ever think about that? Jesus Christ is the only source of security that is not temporary. Everything else that we define ourselves by is temporary. Except for our relationship with Christ. It's eternal and it's secure. Everything else has the potential to disappoint us. Nothing can keep us from being discouraged. Except our relationship with Christ. And I love what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, And I, brethren, when I came, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but de- declaring unto you the testimony of God. And he goes on to say, he wanted their faith to rest in something greater than his words. So he knew he wouldn't always be around. So he determined not to know anything among them save Jesus Christ. And so, that, and so he basically says, that's when I, when I came to you, that's why I came with, with weakness. That's why I came with fear and trembling because I didn't want my speech and my enticing words um, to, to, to give you your foundation. I wanted your foundation to be in the demonstration of God's spirit and God's power. And he was basically telling them that you will never be secure and you will never have a strong, settled security if it's found in anything except Christ. If we ever find ourselves trusting in something other than Christ, we will lose that sense of security and before long we'll be discouraged. We'll always be looking over our shoulder to see if we're about to get it. So the message tonight is be careful because discouragement often comes when we're weary or distracted or unable Or insecure. And we can't afford to let discouragement stop the work of God. Because something happens in this story that I want to remind you of as we close this. See, there's a lot at stake. If discouragement had affected them, the work of God would have stopped. But I want you to consider this. If we refuse to let discouragement win, good things are ahead. See, one takeaway that I love from this story is that when things looked darkest, God was about to do something incredible. See, all the Jews had to do was push through that temptation to throw in the towel in the dark moment. All they had to do in that moment was to say, no, I will not let discouragement win. I will not let discouragement stop me because God has something better for us planned on the other side of this. And I believe the lowest moments in life, of a, in the life of a Christian, 
precede great things to follow. And here's why. Because when we face the most trouble and we find ourselves the most discouraged, those are the moments that we find ourselves turning back to God for the help that only He can provide. And even though it's hard, coming to the end of ourselves and completely trusting God's strength, it gives Him the opportunity to do something for us and through us that He otherwise could not have because we were in the way. See, here it is. We ought to assume the valley means God's about to walk you up a mountain because He did. We ought to assume that what's bad right now means it's about to get good. And yes, discouragement comes, but if we will simply trust God when we're weary and, and when we don't have strength and when we're insecure and when we're unable and when we're distracted, if we will simply trust God to work through those times, the trouble doesn't usually come with no reward at the end. Trouble doesn't usually come by God trying to take us out. No, very often, he's trying to teach us something through it, or he's trying to get us to depend on him again. So assume that something good's on the other side. See, the truth is, too, trouble doesn't usually come to those that aren't doing anything for God. If you're doing something for the Lord, expect it. On the contrary, those who are going to do something big usually find themselves facing some pretty big obstacles. So even if you're weary, and even if you're distracted, and you've, you're distracted by the mess, and even when you feel unable to do the task, and even if you lack security and, and things are unsettled, assume God's about to do something greater than you thought possible. Don't miss out because of discouragement. Let's stand together. Every head bowed and eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.